You're listening to the Women in Western podcast with your host, Cheyenne Draves. This is a lifestyle podcast where we discuss everything from faith to family, business and fitness with an emphasis on the glam and grit of women in the Western lifestyle community. Grab a coffee and go for a walk or a drive. Let's chat and inspire each other to be the best version of ourselves. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Western podcast. Sorry, we're coming to you a little late on a Wednesday. I've mentioned this here on the pod plenty of times before, but things get so crazy in the month of September and October in the Draves family. So for me, I feel like September, October, November, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, I have a lot of stuff going on with dentistry and teaching equine dentistry school. And um, my husband is gone hunting. So I'm like a little seasonal widow. It's great. So life is a little crazy. Sorry for the delay. So moving right into my highlight of the week, my highlight for this week is a little different, and that is I have a huge announcement for the podcast. So I'm actually taking a break. We are ending season one of the podcast. Don't worry, guys. We are not gone. We are just taking a break. As I just mentioned, September and October are crazy months as it is for myself, and this these next couple of weeks, I'm actually going to be gone on the Western Slope, um, floating horses and teaching equine dentistry for the equine dentistry school. So I will be on a working ranch out in the middle of nowhere, no service, doing that thing. And then when I get back, um, beginning of October, I have two huge family weddings that we will be gone for one week at a time for. Um, one of them is in Tahoe, California, and the other one is in Tennessee. So we are all over the place the next month and a half, and it's going to make it really hard for me to give you guys quality content for the podcast. So we are ending season one. We started in March, and we have done six six months of podcasting, and I cannot be more proud of this podcast platform. I have loved every moment of it. I love um, how this form of content portrays certain things. I just love how we can tell women's stories in the Western community in a way that they can't tell on their Instagram stories or, you know, stuff like that. It just makes it a lot easier to tell a story and to give inspiration and to give um, value to other people's lives. And I'm so excited for this uh, little break to refresh, recharge, get some hot new guests for you guys. I have such fun guests coming up in the next season. I cannot wait. Um, and we are also going to be doing a little rebranding. So there'll be a little bit of a rebrand situation for the pod. And I don't want to make any promises I can't keep, but let's think maybe merch, question mark. So um, that being said, I'm so excited to come back in November with some new content, fresh content, and some more fun stuff for you guys as loyal listeners. I'm so thankful for everyone that's been following along the podcast thus far. And we cannot wait to come back later this fall and start fresh. So with that being said, we're going to get right into the podcast for this week. And I decided to end this season with a little Q&A. Um, our audience on Instagram is so engaged. And while we don't have a huge following yet, I love the engagement we have because every time I put up a question box or a poll, I feel like so many people answer. So 
I put up a question box a couple days ago for a little Q&A, and I'm so excited to get into these. You guys had some really good questions, some really good stuff, so let's get into it. The first question was for tips on starting a podcast, and I love this because when we decided to do a podcast for the Women in Western podcast, we had no idea what to do. I have been listening to podcasts for a long time but still had absolutely no clue what to do when it came to actually recording and distributing a podcast. So definitely took a lot of YouTubing and Googling, um, kind of researching how to record, how to edit, that kind of thing. I have a Mac and I love Apple products. I've had them for so long, but I have a Mac and we... Um, got Yeti microphones. So I have a Yeti microphone that I bought off of Amazon and I record on GarageBand when it's just like a solo episode and GarageBand on Mac is how I edit. However, um, when we are recording with an interview, it is really easy to use Zoom. I know a lot of um, podcasters that interview use Zoom. But I personally use Zencaster, which is a platform. It's free. And it's a platform that is just like Zoom, but it's specifically for podcasters. Um, so it records your audio super easy to be able to edit on GarageBand or whatever editing interface you want to use. And um, it makes it just really easy because it just like emails our guests and then our guests are able to, you know, sign on, get in there, however. So that was like the beginning part of it. And then it was a matter of figuring out how to distribute the podcast. Um, we use Anchor. You probably hear my ads every week. Um, so I use Anchor Podcasting and that distributes your podcast to like Apple, Spotify, that kind of stuff. And then figuring out what the heck an RSS feed was. Guys, this is all insane. It was so hard. Um, then once we distributed it, you know, making an email, making an Instagram and kind of just like branding ourselves, using the content from that, that kind of thing. Um, and like I said, we are focusing on a rebrand for beginning of November. So stay tuned for that. But yes, it was just like a learning curve. So depending on what kind of podcast um, you want to do, I think the most important thing is choosing a topic that you're passionate about and that you won't mind recording every week because, you know, you do have to put out content every week or every two weeks if you want kind of like a consistent um, audience and you want an audience that's like happy with the amount of content they're getting. Because um, I don't know about you, the podcast I love, like once a week isn't enough, <laughs> if that makes sense. So um, definitely recommend choosing a topic and like a theme for your podcast that's going to be easy for you to want to talk about every week. Um, podcasting is like my one of my favorite things to do because I just get to like talk and have this long form content for you guys and interviewing women in the Western community that are so inspirational and meeting new people. It's amazing. So make sure you choose a topic that you're very passionate about and that you can like often talk about and you're not going to run out of ideas for. Um, next question is, what are the do's and don'ts when buying a cattle dog? Interesting. Love this question. So I, I don't know if many of you guys know this because my personal Instagram used to be flooded with pictures of her, but it no longer is. <laughs> um, ever since I had my daughter, I feel so bad for my dog because she definitely went on the back burner. But I have a 
gosh, how old is she now? She's seven this year. I have a seven-year-old healer border collie mix, and her name is Lacey. My husband and I got um, her and her brother as littermates when they were like eight weeks old, and it was a year into us dating. My husband, when we first started dating, he had a dog pass away, and so for the Christmas afterward, I wanted to get him a dog, and we found this litter, and I wanted a dog too. (laughs) I didn't want to get him a dog, and then you know, like it be our dog and then us, we were only dating. We'd only been dating for a year. So I didn't want us to like break up and then I miss the dog. So I was like, hmm, for relationship insurance, I'll just get my own dog. And so they're brother and sister. His dog's name is Fitz. My dog's name is Lacey. And Lacey is my little healer border collie dog. Not so little anymore. She's packed on the pound since my daughter was born um, just because the activity level has slowed down immensely. So we need to start working on that. (laughs) But I got her when I was... 20 years old, still living at my parents in California. And I have had her all throughout my 20s. Um, I had her when I moved to Colorado and moved from apartment to apartment. She came with me everywhere in those early years. I'm talking like we'd go grocery shopping and she'd come in the car with me. I mean, anywhere we'd go, she'd be there with me. I'd go over to a friend's house for like a little kickback or a party. She'd be there. Like she came everywhere. And a lot of people are going to tell you, and I know that my um, audience is kind of like a lot of women in their early 20s or maybe 30s or, you know, even higher than that or younger than that, but um, a lot of people will tell women that are in their early 20s, you don't need a dog right now, you don't need a dog right now. I'm going to be that person that tells you you need the dog, (laughs) and that is not probably not good advice, but yeah, it's a big financial responsibility, but I think every Western woman in their early 20s needs a cow dog with them at all times because it's just having that constant companion, that partner that's going to go with you everywhere. It gives you purpose, something to do. You know, when I, it was kind of like having a kid in my early 20s because I'd be like, oh, well, I can't go do that because I have my dog or I have to go ask my friend to do this because I have my dog. Oh, I can't, you know, go out drinking tonight because I have to buy groceries tomorrow and dog food is 40 pounds or $40 a bag. So just kind of like it did add a lot of responsibility to my early 20s. So I think that helps a lot. And then, you know, I just think it's like I said, having that extra security. And when you are in your early 20s, late 20s, 30s, and you're having to like go out and do stuff by yourself, like you want to go for a run or you're going to a party or something and having that dog, um, you're living in an apartment and you're, you know, in your house by yourself, having a dog for protection too. A lot of people don't mess with people with dogs. Um, So this isn't a do's and don'ts of, you know, buying a catalog. This is just why I think you should have a dog. Um, The thing is too, so determining when you do's or don'ts of buying a catalog, determining what you want the dog for um, will determine what kind of breed you're going to get. So if you kind of want like a companion, you're living in an apartment, but you have a very active lifestyle um, versus, oh, I'm actually working cows. Um, we're using this dog every day or, you know, this dog is just a companion. She'll come to the barn with me. She needs to be okay around livestock, but she's not working them. That kind of thing. Just determining what kind of dog you need. If you're getting a dog that's genuinely working cows, it's going to be a working dog. I highly suggest looking up um, working lines and looking up um, breeders that have a lot of those working lines and then asking them for guidance um, of, you know, how am I going to get this dog trained up right? What do I need to be exposing this dog to early on? That kind of thing. Um, when I bought my dog, she was definitely a companion dog. And I think breed-wise, if you're looking for a companion dog, but you want a cow dog, you need to make sure that you're getting the breed that's right for you. So um, kind of researching the breeds. So 
I probably didn't have any business owning anything that had a little bit of healer dog in them. Um, Because knowing your personality, if you want a dog that's going to be really rough and gruff and not nice to strangers, or do you want a dog that's really sweet, really timid, or do you want a dog that's kind of like goofy, outgoing, out there? Healer dogs tend to be very one person. Um, You know, they can get nippy at other people. They are particular to the one person, but they are loyal as heck and they will not leave your side. That's what a healer dog will do. I really like the border collie in my dog. So, border collies are going to be that little quieter, more timid, but they are too very loyal, very active. So, you need to make sure you're doing stuff with them all the time. And then, if you want something with a little more personality, a little more, you know, to be a little more fun, outgoing, that kind of thing. Australian Shepherds are great for that. Um, then you can look into other breeds such as like, you know, Corgis. You can do the mixes like the hanging trees, stuff like that. So research the breeds and look up, you know, this and that and what the characteristics of each breed is. And then asking people that have those kind of dogs, you know, what do you think of this dog? What do you think of this dog? And when you get that puppy, um, especially cow dogs, especially healer dogs, they're going to be very stubborn right off the bat and you cannot let them get away with anything. So it's a lot different than training your family golden retriever or training your, you know, family labradoodle. Like they're completely different dogs. These things are hard headed and you have to be very hard on them from the get go and very disciplined with them. Otherwise, they are going to eat you alive. So those kind of dogs, you know, healers, border collies, that kind of thing, they thrive off of discipline and being um, given a job and told what to do. So you need to make sure that you're not letting those dogs get away with anything. I hope that helps with um, do's and don'ts of buying a cattle dog. And I'm probably not the best person to ask if you're buying a dog that is truly working cows. Um, My husband's dog that was a healer border collie, he helped my husband a lot when he was cowboying and he helped him with horses a little bit, Um, you know, gathering horses or pushing him through a pen, that kind of thing. But he wasn't working too, too much. Um, He was actually a really good coyote dog too. (laughs) Funny story. My husband... um, was out in eastern Colorado for a big portion of the winters when he was working this last job. And there was a lot of coyotes there that were kind of terrorizing, like, you know, a lot of the livestock around there. So they had to get rid of them. And anytime they saw them, they would shoot them. And my husband would send his dog out and his dog would go and get that coyote turned towards the truck and get running towards it so my husband could shoot it. And one time he sent his dog out after this coyote and Fitz goes running after this do- this coyote and the coyote doesn't see him coming. Fitz tackles the coyote and then they just stare at each other. <laughs> like Fitz had no idea what to do once he reached that coyote and then they just looked at each other and Fitz looked at, you know, his dad and just came trotting back. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. This one's defective. <laughs> so funny little story about Fitz the healer dog. Um, Okay, so next question. Suggestions on starting your social media over from scratch. So um, I know that this can happen if like your social media kind of like doesn't have the right vibe you want or um, sometimes people's social media gets hacked. I don't know what I would do at this point because my personal Instagram is like my lifeline and I love the following I have on there. So I'm sorry if this is you going through this. But starting your social media over from scratch, um, I think it's very important to, you know, it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse because you can completely just like create this aesthetic that you want. Um, but I will say being genuinely you is going to help so much. Follow a lot of the old people that you were following and follow some of like, you know, your friends and stuff so you can gain a little bit of that following. But make sure you're posting things that are 100% authentic to you. You're not just posting to post and get more posts on there because 
you know, a lot of people when they have to start over social media, they're just posting to post and they're just like, oh, I need like 10 pictures on here. So they're just posting these random pictures. I would say don't do that. Just start over. You know, you can post like maybe two old pictures or old content that I would just genuinely start from scratch and start posting, um, you know, things from there. Reels, I know a lot of people are anti-reels, but reels are where it's at right now. That's what's going to get you a lot of engagement and a lot of traffic to your page and a lot of follows. So make sure that you add a little bit of reels in there. So sorry this is happening to you. Best of luck to start that social media over again. I'm a big stories gal, so I recommend just being present on stories a lot. So that way when you follow someone or if someone comes across your page, I usually won't follow an account unless I see like a story has been within the last 24 hours and I can get a little bit of insight from them. Um, just know when you're posting your stories, like this could be the first time someone's ever seeing my stories. So just make sure you're posting stuff super relatable to you and people that go with your vibe and people that like your vibe, if they like it, they're going to follow you. And that's the kind of following you want is people that genuinely want to consume your content and want to see your page. Okay. The next question is, I need advice on trying to find a decent horse in this high market. Girl, you and me both. I totally get it. So I actually do have some really good pointers for this though. So I do think the horse market is coming down a little bit. Last year, um, it was insane and I feel like horses were going for way too expensive. Um, I do feel like it's coming down a little bit. Um, and you know, as I'm recording this September, 2022, I feel like people, if they're trying to sell a horse, it's for a reason, you know, our economy isn't going to like the best place and hey, prices are just skyrocketing. So a lot of people are selling horses just to pay things off or get stuff off the feed bill. So if a horse is listed for 15,000, even if they have on their like, you know, 15,000 firm, it cannot hurt to offer them 10. Or if someone has something listed for five, it can't hurt to offer them 3,000. You know, like I know that seems like it's lowballing, but if that's what you have, if that's the cash you have, then here you go. This is what I have. Um, and I know, like, I, I know someone that just had a horse listed for 15000 and someone offered her 7500 cash, had cash in hand, and was like, I will take this horse, here's cash. And they took that offer. That's 50% off <laughs> of a 15000 horse. So it really cannot hurt to offer what you have. Um, you know, some people might be offended by it, but like I said, in this market, I feel like a lot of people are trying to get a lot of money for horses because they are still priced pretty high, but a lot of people are just trying to get stuff off the feed bill. So offering what you have is never a bad idea. Um, and I don't know what kind of resources you have or if, um, you know, training one yourself is in the cards for you. Uh, personally, and I've said this a million times on this podcast, I do not consider myself a horse trainer. I don't think that by any means I am someone that can start a horse from scratch, like get something that's never been touched and make them a finished horse. I cannot do that. Um, but I was lucky enough to have my husband when he was my boyfriend, when I bought my colt, um, help me start my good horse. And so I was lucky enough to have that resource of buying a horse for only $500 that was not started and had a little bit of a crooked leg and then was able to make him into something that's priceless to me now. So, um, if, you know, looking at, 
more trained up horses that are five, six, seven that are already broke, ready to go. If it's in the cards for you to get something that's, you know, one, two, three, um, that just needs a lot of work. And if you have the resources, the help, friends, family, um, significant others that can help you start that horse or, or get them going, or if you can afford, you know, a trainer, that kind of thing, then definitely worth it looking at young horses. And like I said, even when they're young, if people are asking two, three thousand, offer them what you have, offer them what you can pay. And like I said, I don't want that to come across as like just lowball everyone, but I'm just saying offer what you have. Like you, if you don't have five thousand dollars to be paying for a horse, offer someone what you have. I wouldn't say go less than fifty percent of what they're asking. Maybe just take you know offer them what you have. So. That's my advice. Best of luck. I'm really glad I'm not shopping for horses right now. That's all I have to say. (laughs) All right. And then the next question is relationship advice. Dating is hard in 2022. Oh my goodness. I do not envy whoever is dating in this climate right now. I haven't dated for 10 years, so (laughs) I wouldn't know um, what it's like to date. I had never had to download a dating app. I've never had to do, you know, any of that. Thankfully, I've never had a potential boyfriend ask me for a Snapchat. (laughs) Like when Josh and I got together, Snapchat was barely a thing starting. So I do not envy people dating in this climate. Um, My biggest piece of advice for people that are single and trying to date, this is my first, um, first piece of advice. Please, if you are a person of faith, go on your podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts and look up Transformation Church and look up Michael Todd, Pastor Michael Todd, and he has a series called Relationship Goals. And there is a sequel series to that called Relationship Goals Reloaded, but I need you to go back to like 2017 podcasts, like scroll way back in there, and it'll be called Relationship Goals. And it's like a nine part series. There's like nine podcasts, and it's basically just sermons. And the first one or two sermons he gives in this Relationship Goals, um, series is about singleness. And Josh and I listened to these podcasts like two months before we got married. We listened to this whole series separately and would kind of like talk about what we thought about them. And the first two episodes, I remember telling Josh, I'm like, gosh, where were these podcasts like five years ago before I met you? Before I was, you know, before I was with the person that I was going to marry. Um, Singleness is such an important stage. And I know a lot of Christians... (laughs) get so upset listening to that. But if you're not comfortable with who you are in your singleness, you are not going to be comfortable in a relationship. You're going to make that relationship so hard. And the biggest question I want to ask you is, do you want to date someone that isn't comfortable in their singleness and comfortable with who they are? And if your answer to that is no, then you shouldn't make anyone date you if you're not comfortable in your singleness and comfortable with who you are. So making sure that you're 100% confident in yourself, comfortable in your singleness, you can take care of yourself. You're not looking for someone to fill a void. You're just looking for that partner in life. That's the first step. Um, My biggest piece of advice, I'm not saying that dating apps are bad by any means. I just think it's very important on a dating app to make it very clear that you are not looking for a hookup. You're looking for, you know, someone that you get along with and someone that you might see a future with. Um, Like I said, I've never been on a social media dating app or anything like that. So I don't know if it's like too creepy or... um, 
what's the word I'm looking for, forward to put that in there or if it's a huge turnoff. Um, but maybe just putting in there like no hookups, like nothing casual. Um, just to kind of solidify that because I think that'll get rid of a lot of the creeps. Um, but my biggest piece of advice is meeting people organically. I know that can seem really hard, um, but I think introductions are really underrated. And just like asking people around you, like, do you know anyone that's around my age that you think I'd be good with? Because here's the thing, when you um, are going on a date with someone that you know through a mutual friend or a mutual kind of person, it makes it makes it a lot easier because you're not super worried about this person. Um, you know, you kind of have someone that can testify to their character. So I think, you know, um, introductions are very underrated. So we just ask around, like, do you know anyone? Like, I'm just looking to casually, you know, date and try to find someone, that kind of thing. Um, don't look in bars. Don't go to the bars looking for someone. Just... The bars do not contain your future husband. I'll tell you that right now. The bars are going to have nothing but trouble. <laughs> so don't go looking in the bars. Um, you know, just kind of keep your options open. Keep your eyes open. And <sighs> this is another thing, too. Red flags are red flags, and they're not going to go away. So if you notice early on there's some red flags, get rid of that person. And if he wanted to, he will. So you don't need to be with someone that is playing games with you and not texting you back right away. Like, I know people think that it's so annoying if someone acts super clingy right on, but if you're in the point in your life where you want to start finding a relationship, games are for little kids. Like, you want someone that's going to be, like, excited to text you back right away, and you can't be with someone like, oh, well, he posted this and he didn't text me back. Like, gosh, cut that guy out of your life. He's playing games like that. Like, we need to get rid of those kind of idiots and just be with someone that genuinely acts like they want to be with you. They act like you are someone really cool. Like go for someone like that. So that's the best advice I have for dating in 2022. Okay. So the next question is finding a balance between the Western and outdoor lifestyle. How do you do it? So, um, I'm assuming this person means like between like cowboying and the Western, you know, community and then like the outdoor lifestyle of like hunting, hiking, that kind of thing. And this is something I actually did struggle with, um, a little bit. I never really like opened up about it. Um, but especially like when you're trying to, um, portray a certain image on socials. I know that sounds so lame, but like wanting to have just like an aesthetic on your, you know, Instagram and, and sharing things and just wanting to have like an aesthetic of your life of this is what I do. Um, when I was dating my husband, you know, I was very much like Western cowgirl. I rode horses. That was my identity. And that was the kind of person I was. I rode horses. I wore jeans and a buckle every day. I wore my boots everywhere. Like when I'd go out, I'd wear a Western getup. Like I, that was who I was. And meeting my husband, he was a big hunter and, you know, outdoorsman. So we were spending a lot of time in camo and outside hiking and that kind of stuff. And I did feel like it kind of ruined my aesthetic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, you know, I, I have to be this person when I'm not this person. And um, it kind of made me realize that, like, one person does not have to have one role. And you can be so many different versions of yourself at the same time. Um, that's what I love about the person I am now in my late 20s is I'm a woman who 
I can get up and wear my sweatpants and my, you know, baggy t-shirt with no bra, uh, you know, as a disheveled mom to the grocery store in the morning. And then I can put on my cute leggings and top and scarf, drink a pumpkin spice latte and be the basic bee. Then I can go throw jeans on, throw, you know, like my cowgirl hat, a pearl snap on, go cowgirl with the best of them, go ride my horses, that kind of thing. Then later that evening, I can go throw on, you know, my hiking boots and some first light pants and go hike up in the mountains for an evening hike. Like you don't have to make yourself just one identity. And I think in your early 20s, it's really hard to kind of lose yourself and like, oh, this is what I do. This is who I am. Like when I go out this way, this is how I want to look because this is the kind of person I am. And you can be so many different versions of yourself at the same time. You don't have to tie yourself to one aesthetic. So um, I think that's the key to finding a balance between like your Western and outdoor lifestyle. Um, Finding the time for it is a totally different thing. Um, You know, just making sure that you're doing a balance that works for you. If you're not someone that, you know, you kind of want like a 75-25 lifestyle where 75% of the time you're doing mostly this and then the 25% of the time fills your cup in this way, that's perfectly fine too. Um, So, you know, just finding what fills your cup and in what way. So definitely don't be afraid to be multiple versions of yourself at the same time. And don't think you have to stick to one aesthetic and hold on to one identity because just because you're focusing on these different identities of yourself doesn't mean that you, that that's not you anymore. It just means that you have multiple facets and you're a cool, like multifaceted person. Okay. And then the next question is, how do you find time to do things with your horses while having a daughter? And this is one thing that you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of mom guilt about. Um, I'm very thankful that my parents and my husband help a ton with my child. Um, So my dad, especially, he's retired. My mom works from home. And so they're very able to help out with Josephine a lot. And, um, you know, my husband, he does not mind staying home with the baby if I want to go do something or have an event going on. Um, So I'm very thankful that I have family support. And I think that's the overall key to finding time to do things um, is family support. But once you do have kids, um, it is hard. And you do take, you know, my horses do not get ridden as much as they did before Josephine came. So definitely knowing like as a parent, like there's going to be a day where me and Josephine can go outside and she can saddle her own horse and get on and ride with me and we can ride seven nights a week. Um, But just knowing that this season's not that season (laughs) and I'll be lucky if I get on my horses once or twice a week. Um, I think, you know, there's no such thing as balance. And if anyone tries to tell you that you need to live a balanced lifestyle, there's no such thing as true balance. And I know that sounds like it contradicts my first, my last statement talking about the balance between the Western and outdoor lifestyle. But like I said, 75-25, like when you're quote unquote balancing life, there's going to be days where I'm... 90% a mom, 5% a business owner, like 3% my own person. Like there's days that have to go 100% into being Josephine's mom. And that's how I live balanced that day. Whereas the next day I can be 60% um, self-care, you know, getting things done around the house, making my cup filled by accomplishing tasks, and then like 30% an attentive mom, you know, Josephine's watching a little more Bluey that day, a little more screen time. So there's no such thing as true quote unquote balance. It's a matter of 
picking and choosing what's going to get more priority that day. And some days it's very important for me to be able to get on my horses and ride. And, you know, those are days that I might feel a little guilty about, you know, pawning Josephine off on someone else. You know, my parents are, you know, I, I and I don't want to make it seem like my husband shouldn't be watching Josephine because, you know, he 100%, he's her dad, like he's watching her all the time. But, you know, there's days where he gets home after a 10-hour shift and I know he'd really like to take a shower and I'm like, sorry, you're going to be working for another 30, 40 minutes while I get on my horses. <laughs> um so yeah, that being said, it, it, there's no such thing as true balance. Um, having family support is amazing when you want to be able to do some things for yourself and um, just knowing that there's going to be some times where you might feel like a bad mom, but you know, taking care of yourself is so important. So that is what I have to say about that. And the last question that I wanted to throw in there myself is because at the end of every episode, we ask our guests, what is the biggest piece of advice that someone can learn from your story? Or, you know, what is some value that someone can take from your story? And obviously, I answered this question in my Getting to Know Me episode, but we've been doing this for 26 episodes now, I think. Um, And, you know, I've been doing this podcasting thing for six months now. So I wanted to regroup on what this last six months of podcasting has been like by answering this question from a new perspective. And the biggest piece of advice that I can give someone through this journey and this story of becoming a podcast host is I think it is so important to act on something that scares you. Um, If God has put something in your heart, a little desire for you to do, why don't you just go for it? Like, if it's something that's going to potentially fill your cup, it can make you happy. You don't know if it's going to do that, but you want to give it a try. Something's telling you to try it. Why aren't you doing it? Like, go for it. There's nothing stopping you. And this whole podcasting thing, I always, you know, I'm an avid podcast listener, and I always wanted to start one, but I never knew what it was going to be about, and finally took the plunge, and it was the coolest thing ever. And if you give something a go and you realize, you know, it's not for you after so long, I would 100% rather have that than regretting I never did it. So, you know, it's it's so much cooler to be able to say, yeah, I tried that and it wasn't for me than opposed to, oh, I've always wanted to try that. I don't know if it's for me, but I've always wanted to try it. Um, that's not me saying that I won't come back to podcasting, baby, because we're coming back in November. But I'm just saying from a perspective of starting this, I could have hated it and I could have been like, you know what, this isn't for me. But if that was the case, I would have been so thankful I tried. And I'm so glad that I gave this a go to start this podcast six months ago. Um, just because it's been something that's given me so much value. And it was just such a little decision of like, I'm going to try that. So here's your sign. If you have something that's on your goal sheet that you're like, that's going to be kind of hard to start. I don't know where to start, but I've always wanted to do it. I don't know how to do it. Do it. This is your sign. Go and do it. All right. With that being said, guys, I'm going to wrap up here. Thank you guys so much for an amazing first six months of the Women in Western podcast. We are going nowhere. We are so excited to come back up in November. Like I said, rebranded hinting at maybe some merch question marks. Stay tuned for that. Let us know on Instagram if that'd be something you guys would be interested in purchasing. 
And we are going to end things here. Thank you guys so much. Make sure to follow along on the Women in Western podcast. We'll be posting throughout this break um, plenty of kind of like revisits from the season. And I cannot wait to see you guys in November for another season. Thank you guys so much for these last six months. Your support means the world to me. Your listens mean the world to me. If you've even just listened to one episode, if you've liked our Instagram, if you've done any of that, it means so much to me. So keep listening and we'll see you guys here in a couple of months.